It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is Dollar Collapse, your ringside seat for the global economic crisis. To get the full story, go to dollarcollapse.com. Hi, everybody. This is John Rubino from dollarcollapse.com. It is Monday, October 31st. This time around, we're going to talk about the latest batch of fake election year numbers that are getting everybody excited. Most economic reports that have come out in the last few weeks have been bordering on great. Banks are reporting rising earnings. The, The U.S. government is reporting faster growth. Home prices and sales are up. Even manufacturing, which is underperformed for years now, is better right now than it has been in the recent past. And Meanwhile, the stock market is nice and placid with no big spikes or plunges to make people nervous. So are we finally in a recovery? Nah, it's just an election year and the people in charge want their people to win. So they're pumping up spending and probably massaging the economic reports, which is nothing new. This is just how the game is played under both major parties. This time around, for instance, the U.S. budget deficit rose by 67% year over year in August. That's a lot of newly borrowed money flowing into the system, which not surprisingly produces a pop in growth and and relatively strong equity markets. But it's all make-believe because spending borrowed money just pools future activity into the present, which leads to a slowdown later on. And that'll be the story of 2017. Meanwhile, the election itself is almost over. Thank God. You know, this has been a really brutal, really ugly campaign, which has basically devolved into dueling scandals. The Clinton Foundation has been exposed as a highly corrupt entity that solicits contributions in return for favors from the Secretary of State. And the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, meanwhile, has been exposed as even more corrupt, actively causing violence at Trump rallies and soliciting illegal foreign contributions. Meanwhile, somebody is apparently hacking those electronic voting machines already with results that won't be obvious until later. And of course, Trump is Trump. What more needs to be said? The conclusion, though, is that if Clinton was up against a normal Republican, she'd probably lose. And even against a a crazy person like Trump, she's not guaranteed to win. That's how much things have changed in American politics lately. I watched a live speech of Donald Trump in Ohio today, and he brought down the House by promising to stop companies from moving jobs overseas, which directly contradicts the free trade policies of the last what, 10 administrations in the U.S., and he's proposing the imposition of term limits on politicians, which goes against the conventional wisdom of both major parties for as long as uh, anybody can remember. This is hugely effective for that audience. The polls, as a result, are tightening a bit in battleground states like Ohio, North Carolina, and Arizona, so who knows? This is not a done deal, even though it looks like Clinton's going to win. If Trump avoids any more major screw-ups in the final couple of weeks, we could have an extremely close election in which it's completely possible that the outsider wins. But the important thing Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders accomplished this time around was to define a political market niche. It's now possible to run against the establishment and win. The same message from a less 
flawed source would attract massive support across the spectrum. So look for somebody to fill that niche next time around and very possibly to win. Meanwhile, another potentially huge change is coming from the world's central banks, where they're starting to define the next generation of monetary policy. And it's frankly pretty scary. For instance, in in the U.S., Janet Yellen, the chair of the Federal Reserve, is saying that now it might be a good time to start running a high-pressure economy. That's one where inflation is running above target and wages are going up dramatically and businesses are borrowing lots of money and investing it really aggressively. In other words, even lower interest rates, even more government spending, more aggressive monetary policy in general, in order to rev the economy up to the point where it can grow organically on its own. Now, this is a very identifiable part of the script that leads to a crack-up boom. You know, the governments of the world are basically going to aggressively try to inflate away their currencies. People are going to figure out that that's what's happening. And instead of behaving the way governments would like, they're going to take their currency whenever they get it and turn it into real stuff at whatever price prevails. So... We're going to see what is now kind of a deflationary environment in which prices are actually going down in a lot of parts of the world and going up very slowly in other parts of the world start to become a system in which asset bubbles are more and more common. In other words, what's happening in, for instance, Chinese real estate, where it's just popping, that's going to be the norm around the world where people just don't want to hold their currency anymore and they instantly convert it into real stuff and that causes prices to go up and generates extreme instability. The reason this is happening is that the central banks of the world and elected politicians have just this one tool. They just have easy money that they've been using for their entire careers. We in the West or in the developed world have responded to every crisis with easy money. That is lower interest rates, higher government spending, more loan guarantees, various kinds of regulatory changes that make it easier to borrow money. And it's worked. And the reason it's worked is because we entered the 1970s with reasonably solid balance sheets. You know, we were conservative societies back then where borrowing was mostly for productive uses. And that began to change in the late 70s and early 80s and then just ramped up from there where we found out that because we had a fairly solid balance sheet that we could borrow money and cut interest rates and ease monetary conditions pretty aggressively and that it would work. It would pull us out of a recession. It would get the economy growing again and inflation would stay reasonably low. The message that economists took away from that is that easy money always works. So now we're at a point where our finances are the opposite of rock solid. But the economists and politicians who have just this one tool keep going back to it. Whenever there's a crisis, whenever there's even the hint of a slowdown, they want to ease conditions. And they're having to do so more aggressively each time around because they've got a bigger and bigger debt load to offset each time around. This time is going to be epic. If we start from a position of, for instance, record government debt around the world, record corporate debt around the world, and near record consumer debt around the world, and we aggressively ease further in order to get people borrowing more. (laughs) What's going to happen? Well, it's hard to say with any kind of specificity, but you you can say in general that instability is going to increase and that's our future. So 2017 might be the inflection point when we go from um, a system where easy money kind of sort of still works to a time when easy money doesn't work at all, but we keep trying it, you know, and and then things get really crazy. So 2017, 2018 are going to be amazing years from almost any standpoint. 
Now, let's shift gears and talk about gold a little bit because the uh, the commitment of traders report is something we've discussed quite a bit because it's been a pretty decent indicator for the past couple of decades of where the gold price is going eventually. Not a good timing indicator, but a a pretty good indicator of, of what we'll see six months hence. To recap, the Commitment of Traders report is basically a snapshot of what the major players in the gold futures market are doing. In other words, the paper traders in gold. Two groups dominate that market. One is speculators who place bets on what they think is going to happen in the price of gold. The other group is the commercials who are big banks and fabricators who buy gold and use it to make stuff. The commercials tend to sucker the speculators into taking on big positions right at turning points. In other words, they get the speculators too excited, either too optimistic or too pessimistic, get them to commit to those positions and then fleece them. You know, And then the market goes the other way against the speculators over and over again. One of the things we saw at the end of 2015 was a, a base of speculators that was very pessimistic. They were extremely short the gold market, which implied that gold was going to go up. And sure enough, it did. Gold went up for the first half of 2016 and ignited a, a rip-roaring rally in mining stocks. But in the process, it got the speculators excited and they took on a record long position in gold as of July or so of 2016. At that point, based on the commitment of traders report, you would expect a correction in gold and silver. And that's what we've gotten. Now the speculators are starting to scale back their long position. The last two reports uh, have seen double digit declines in speculator longs, which means the gold market is trending back towards balance. And we need to see a few more weeks of this kind of change in long positions on the part of speculators, and we'll be back to a bottom. We'll be reasonably able to expect gold and silver to go up from here. So keep an eye on the commitment of traders report and start paying attention to where you want to get in because a a new entry point is apparently coming if these trends continue. Anyhow, that's all for this week. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Dollar Collapse. For regular info and updates throughout the day, go to dollarcollapse.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.